0: This is Relic Radio Thrillers. Thanks for joining me this Friday. We're going to hear from Cabin B 13 this week, a CBS series of 25 episodes that aired from July of 1948 to January of 1949. It was created and written by John Dixon Carr, who also wrote a number of episodes for Suspense. Our story today is from December 26th, 1948. It's titled The Sleep of Death.
1: Cabin B-13, from his notebooks of the strange and sinister, Dr. Fabian brings you tonight's tale of The Sleep of Death.
2: circular bedroom, high in a castle tower, hung with rare tapestries, filled with a haunting atmosphere of witchcraft and death. The young American Ned Whiteford knew that for 200 years no person who had slept in that room had lived through the night. Whatever it was that killed left no trace. Would you, like Whiteford, have dared to rest your head there because...
1: You were in love. (laughs) From Cabin B13, CBS brings you another great tale of mystery and murder, written by the world famous, best selling mystery author John Dixon Carr, directed by John Deese. Now, here's Mr. Carr's famous Dr. Fabian, ship surgeon and world traveler, to tell you tonight's tale The Sleep of Death.
2: He was looking forward to his new position at the American Embassy. He was young, and even war-jittery Paris was a magic land to him. It was on St. Catherine's Day that Ned, unknowingly, made a decision that brought him to the threshold of unspeakable terror and death. And he made it in the midst of the gayest celebration Paris knew, the president's costume ball at the opera. Look at Ned now, wearing the uniform of one of Lafayette's offices. Look closely at the dark-haired young girl in costume, sitting across from him at the little table,
3: half-screened by the palm.
4: Ned, don't. Please, you mustn't.
3: Look here, Eliana. We've got to settle this thing. You've enjoyed being here tonight, haven't you? Oh,
4: Ned, I've loved it. After being hemmed in at my uncle's place in the country. Oh, it's like
3: him. All right. When I take you back to the hotel tonight, I'm going to face this dragon uncle of yours. Oh,
4: no. No, you mustn't. I'm going to say that you and I intend
3: to get married, and that's that.
4: I can't marry you, Ned. I told you that. But why not? Give me just one good reason. Because I, I can't. My uncle would never allow it.
3: And that seems to you a good enough reason? Yes. uncle of yours. What's his name?
4: Count Stephen Kohai.
3: He's a Hungarian, I think you said.
4: Yes, so am I. My mother was an American. What's he like? actually? Well, he, he's a little eccentric. He, yes. What is it? There he is now. Your uncle? Yes, the elegant man in plain evening clothes with the order of the golden fleece across his chest. I
3: see. Him. I see him. Black as a thundercloud. Oh,
4: give me my mask, Quick.
3: No, Ileana. Why not? We would better face it out now. Sit
4: still. Good
3: evening, Ileana. Uh,
4: uh, good evening, Uncle Stephen. Uncle, may I present Ned Whiteford?
3: How do you do, sir? How do you do? Ileana, do you think that costume is quite the thing to wear in public? Why not? An older generation might call it immodest. It looks like... Like what? Nothing. You go and get your cloak or your domino, whatever you wore here.
4: Uncle, please.
3: Do as I say. Don't make me
4: go home so soon. It's hardly 11 o'clock.
3: I was not asking you to go home, my dear. I was merely asking you to put on a wrap.
4: Oh, oh, all right. I'll I'll get it. You stay and talk to Ned.
3: I shall be delighted. Will you sit down, sir? Thank you. You seem to have had quite a gathering at this table. Yes, some friends of mine from the embassy there. Upstairs dancing now. Glasses, glasses. Still more glasses. I was quite an adept one with musical glasses. Yes? Have you ever tried it, young man? No. You take a spoon like this and... Uh, forgive me, sir. There's something I'd like to ask you. Yes, young man? <laughs> exactly know how to say this, so I'd better say it in the shortest way. I want to marry your niece. Look out, sir. You've you smashed one of the glasses. Doubtless, a few francs will pay for it. There are other things with a higher value, at least for me. Well, maybe I ought to mention that I'm attached to the American Embassy here, that I have some money of my own and have to support Ileana well. Indeed. I, I only mention at the show, well, that Ileana will be well provided for. The ambassador will vouch for me if you'd like to ring him up. I ought to mention. I have always kept Ileana carefully guarded from the world. Almost too carefully guarded, don't you think? That, young man, depends on my reason. I'm sorry again. You have known Ileana how long? A week. A week. You would not lose a business partner in a week. Yet you want to marry Ileana a week after you meet her. We know our own minds, sir. And you know more than the wisest men of the world. However, there's one of dearest wishes Ileana's happiness. happiness. I hope it is, Count Corey. You doubt what I say? No, sir. Go so on. Well, let me make you a counter proposition. I own a chateau in Touraine, not far from Paris. I know, Ileana told me. And here's my suggestion. Why not come down and visit us for a week or two? Well, that's very decent of you, sir. Not at all. If, at the end of that time, you are not cured of this infatuation... It's not an infatuation, I, I swear it's not. If, at the end of that time, you are not cured permanently of this feeling, you may take Eliana with my blessing. Is that fair? It's more than fair, Count Corey. I I don't know how to thank you. Don't try. There is just one thing, like however. Yes, sir? At the Chateau there, there's a certain bedroom. We call it the tapestry room. Yes? I assure you it will be very interesting to sleep in that room. Why? Is it uh, haunted yes. or anything like that? Not exactly haunted. And I, if you don't mind, I should take a mask. I think I can trust you to bring the safely to the hotel. Yes. In the meantime, look there. What is it now? Those screams of our fellow guests pouring down the main staircase. Shapes of nightmare. Shapes of delirium. Insane, dead masks that only the eyes move. Wouldn't you be terrified, perhaps, if you could look behind those masked gargoyle faces. No, I don't think so. They're only ordinary people like ourselves. That's, uh. You really make your mistake. I will expect you for the weekend. Not. Good night.
4: Good night.
3: It's all right, Ileana. You can come out from behind the pond. Well,
4: what was my uncle saying? I couldn't
3: hear. Ileana, it couldn't be better. He's a very decent old boy, actually. And he's invited me to the Chateau d'Argus.
4: Did. Did he say anything about. Me? The
3: tapestry room? Yes, he asked me if I'd mind sleeping there. And you think? I <laughs> said I would, naturally.
4: You mustn't do it, Ned. I won't let you do it. Why the devil not? Because everybody who sleeps in that room dies. Are you serious? Ned, please
3: don't do it. Nonsense. A lot of superstitions about every old house.
4: This isn't a superstition, Ned. It happened once when I was a little girl. A man insisted on sleeping there. they found him dead in the morning.
3: So? How did he die?
4: They don't know. There wasn't a mark on his body. He wasn't shot, or stabbed, or strangled, or poisoned, or hurt in any way. He was just... dead. Dead. <laughs>
2: Two nights later, in the part of France, once called La Touraine, the wind moans down the valley, and rain flickers across the apple trees, and thunder stirs in those haunted hills. Bring brings ball to a young man, driven in an ancient carriage from the railway station along snake-like roads, and leading to... To what destination? Ahead, a flash of lightning shows the grey walls and conical slate roofed towers of a chateau set some distance back from the road. Light shines from its narrow windows, dimly seen through the rain.
3: Driver, coachman. Uh, yes, chair. Is that the Chateau d'Azay up ahead? Yes, monsieur. I will take you to the very door. If, uh, if what? Why do you cross yourself? If I am permitted. What should stop you? Only fear, monsieur. I am not much afraid. What was that? Only the dogs, monsieur. They keep many dogs, large dogs at the Chateau d'Azay. Those dogs dangerous? They have to fly at anybody who goes to the front door? Mm, I cannot say, monsieur. But uh, I should advise you to make (coughs) haste. Here's your money. Thank you. Good night, monsieur. And uh, if one so humble as myself may be permitted a word of advice, Yes, beware of the tapestry room. Me. Me. <laughs> Yes. Monsieur
4: is expected. Please to enter. Monsieur's yes. hat and coat.
3: Thank you. Ned. Hello, Ileana.
4: No, sir, not the case. Come on. You, you'd better not kiss me, Led. Madame oh. Play said to look out for my uncle. Hmm. He's our housekeeper.
3: Where is your uncle now?
4: In the drawing room. Come along.
3: Ileana is anything wrong?
4: Everything's wrong. Two of my dogs were in horrible pain this afternoon. Dr. Solomon had to put them out with chloroform. You don't think... I hope nobody's practicing, that's all. Here we are.
3: A nice tiger skins on the floor. I say, who's that little old man with a gray beard sitting over by the fire?
4: That's Dr. Solomon.
3: That's funny-looking eyes.
4: He watches and watches and watches. He's
0: an old friend of the family. Come on, let's get this old wet.
3: Oh, my young friend. Welcome to the Chateau d'Avée. Thank you, Count Corey. You must be very wet after your long drive. Uh, Go up to the fire and warm yourself. Thanks. Madame Plain. Yes, monsieur. Please tell Antoine to take our guest's luggage up to the tapestry room.
4: The tapestry monsieur?
3: That is what I said, Madame Plain. Yes, yes, you. An odd coincidence, Mr. Whitehead, Dr. Solomon and I were just discussing the fate of the last person who slept in the tapestry room. Th- this is not good, my friend. This is against my advice. Here, Dr. Solomon Crowley. This is not good, I tell you. It is the wrong season of the moon. Moon? There's no moon tonight. It's raining cats and dogs. Don't talk about dawn, Nevertheless,
4: It is the wrong season of the moon. I say no more. Cheerful man, that doctor. Don't do it, Ned. I won't be responsible if they make you do it. But look
3: here, Count Corey. What did happen to the last fellow who slept in the tapestry room? Let's not call him a fellow, young man. He was a very saintly gentleman. The Bishop of Tours. That was some time ago. Eliana was only 15 years old. But surely she must remember it. I, I remember it. The church said our bishop has no use for superstitions. He insisted on sleeping there. I made him as comfortable as possible. He was found dead the next morning, with a crucifix still in his hand. Was it poison? There was no poison, monsieur! Yeah, that's the Solomon. It's true, Lord. There were just two curious things in connection with the death, Mr. Whitewood. On the mantelpiece was found burning a stick of incense. Ordinary incense, nothing wrong with it. Yes, sir? And under the dressing table, the police found an empty jar of ointment. Now, come use your detective wits. A dead man and some burning incense and an empty jar of ointment. What do you make of that? I don't make anything of it. Is there any reason for this story of death? Reason? Any legend attached to the room or something like that? Yes, there is. Well, sir? They're a very old family, my friend. Old and perhaps accursed. curse. When certain of my ancestors moved from Hungary to France in the 17th century, they brought certain beliefs with them. The old religion. The old religion? Yes. The cult of Diana. The witch cult, do you prefer. <laughs> now look
4: here, you sir. do we talk about ah, this?
3: Ah, you smile when I say the word witch, Mr. Whiteford. You think of some humorous picture on a Halloween card. It was very different in the Middle Ages, believe me. There were many to worship unashamed at the grand Sabbath receive all favors from Satan, and master, the master, to dance forever joyously in the red quadrilles of the netherworld. Some 200 years ago, an ancestress of mine, Catherine Cory, was tortured to death in the tapestry room for professing the old religion. Many persons have not thought it safe to sleep there since. Are you answered? Come, sir, this is... Some kind of elaborate joke. Joke? The Bishop of Tours did not find it a joke. Not a mark on his body. I I assure you, as a physician, not a mark on his body. You hear, Dr. Solomon? I hear him. Understand me, my boy. There's no compulsion in this. If you had not the nerve to sleep in that room. Who says I haven't got the nerve? You're weakening. I think I can see it in your face. Would you like to make a little bet on that? What sort of bet? If I spend the night in this famous room and come out of it alive... Go on... Will you give your consent to the marriage immediately? Tomorrow morning? Five tomorrow morning. Because I don't think the atmosphere of this place is good for Ileana. What do you say? Will you do it? Very well, my boy. I accept the terms of your wager.
4: Don't do it, Ned! For the love of heaven, don't do it! <laughs>
2: High up in the north tower of the Chateau d'Azay, under the conical slate roof, is the circular room hung with faded tapestries. These tapestries move slightly, with uneasy mimic life, to the clamor of the storm outside. Candles burn along the mantelpiece. Besides the great four poster bed. The flames of these candles waver too as the door opens.
3: This is the tapestry room, monsieur. Thank you, Madame play That is the mantelpiece where the incense burned. That is the bedroom, Monsignor. The bishop died. Very inviting, isn't it? Will there be anything else that Monsieur requires? Some sandwiches? A decanter of whiskey? No, thanks. I had a drink with Count Corey before I came upstairs. Very well, Monsieur. Monsieur's shaving water will be brought up in the morning. If he requires it. Good night. Infernal old harpy. Trying to scare a out of his wits just because. Well, it's still a good fire anyway. I didn't realize how cold it was.
4: What's that? It's all. Ileana. May I come up?
3: No, Ileana. I I don't want you exposed to whatever it is.
4: Nick, listen. Are you going to bed or are you going to sit up all night?
3: I'm going to sit up all night, naturally.
4: Then let me sit up with you. No. Why not?
3: First, because it may be dangerous. Second, because I promised your uncle I'd go through this alone. Oh,
4: I wish you hadn't had that drink with him.
3: Couldn't have done anything to it. You poured it.
4: Oh, yes, that's cool, true, only. It?
3: It's only one of the dogs.
4: No. sounded like somebody walking inside the wall of this room. Don't you hear it?
3: Why, George, it is somebody walking inside the wall. Get find that tapestry, Liana. Quick. Hurry. All right. Come, Corey! Where did you come from? Forgive me, my boy, for seeming to appear out of the wall and between the tapestries, like my sister appearing to Faust. This red dressing gown perhaps adds to the effect. How did you get here? A passage between the walls? Exactly. A little device of my ancestors for visiting this room when its occupants were so unmannerly as to bolt the door. The door is not bolted. You could have walked straight in, but I could not have done it unobserved. No, maybe not. Have you had any other visitors, my boy? No. You're sure of that? Quite sure. And since nobody saw me come here, just sit down by the fire. Please sit opposite me. Is this the showdown, sir? I don't understand you. There's got to be a showdown between us. Is that why you're here? I am here, young man, to explain certain things to you. I you have a cigarette? I'm not doped. That's what you're afraid of. I'll have one. Yes, sir. Right. Thank you. When I was discussing the witch cult a while ago, you did not appear to think I meant what I said. You want a perfectly frank answer to that? Yes. Yeah. I think you're mad enough to mean anything. What you say, in a sense, is quite true. In an old and inbred family like ours, the mind can crack, and the fantasies of witchcraft become as real, more real, than the living world. Let me give you an example. Go on. The saucer on the table beside you is main porcelain. It was once owned by Catherine Corley, a martyr of the old religion. Yet you're using it as an ashtray. I beg the witch lady's pardon. I'll. Blow off the ash. A dangerous remark, sir. Don't you understand that to a sick brain which knows but can't help itself, you have profaned this room merely by entering it? Therefore you deserve to die like the Bishop of Tours? Exactly. You're not going to tell me the devil killed him. devil's agent may be flesh and blood. Then it was murder. Of course it was murder. Murder so cunningly contrived that no one ever saw through it. Go on. I asked you before to use your detective wits on this problem. Incense was burned in this room. Why? Suppose you tell me. Obviously, I think to conceal something else, which would be too easily noticed. To conceal what? The smell of chloroform. Chloroform? Yes. A drug not well understood my lady Dr. Solomon was using chloroform this afternoon to dispose of some jars. So I've heard. Dr. Solomon. Oh. And forgetful. You mean chloroform could be stolen? It could be. Easily. Now suppose. Just suppose. I take a pad saturated with chloroform. I place it over the mouth and nostrils of a man already sleeping. Or drugged. So that he gets no other way. Wait a minute. That won't do. Why not? Chloroform burns and blisters when it touches the skin. You'd leave marks. Not at all, my friend. Not at all. I first covered the mouth and nostrils with some substance like. Ointment. Ah. Uh, You're waking up. Uh, I. Now observe what follows. In a few seconds, unconscious. In two minutes, three minutes, certain death. Yes. But chloroform, it evaporates. Delay your postmortem for twenty-four hours. It's a very easy matter in these country districts. And no trace remains in the blood. Murder without a mark, my friend. Murder without a mark. There's just one thing you're forgetting, Count Corey. What's that? I'm not sleeping. And I'm not drugged. Oh, yes. You are? In the cigarette? No. In the drink you had with me. What was it? Morty. You've had enough to put three men to sleep. That's a try to get up. I'll try. And I'll do it. Oh, oh, you it. You've knocked over the fire island. you have been in the fire yourself if I hadn't caught you. Take your hands off me. Oh, just as you please. If I could reach that bell poop. Let's uh, sit down again. You murdering lunatic. So well, that's how you kill the bishop that's how you're going to kill me, ah? You don't think I killed the Bishop of Tours, didn't you? you, young fool? I'm not trying to kill you. I'm trying to save you, Doctor Solomon.
4: Come out from behind
3: that secret door. Come out and be my witness. Yes,
4: Monsieur.
3: I shall always guard the family honor, even when I guess how men die. This young man evidently thinks I've been talking about myself. Am I in the popular parlance mad? Oh, heaven forbid, Monsieur! I have never known a sane man. Have you any notion, Mister Whitefoot, why I brought you to this house? You would not have believed me if I had merely told you. So I had to bring you here and show you. Show me. What? <laughs> come out there, please. Come out. <laughs> Eliana. Why have I kept Eliana so well guarded from the world? Why, the fancy dress bowl, did I object to the costume of a medieval witch whose dogs were poisoned so that chloroform should be brought? Who poured you that drink drug with morphine? In the devil's name! What are you trying to tell me? Ileana she has been hopelessly insane for more than ten years. <laughs>
2: And so ends my story, The Sleep of Death, a tale which may give uneasy moments to those of you who may be inclined to fall in love at first sight. Next week, I shall tell you a story that many of you have asked me to tell again. It's the adventure of an easygoing, straightforward New York detective who followed a beautiful murder suspect to Port Said, the crossroads of crime, and who learned that duels are still fought with swords as well as with 38. And so, next week, when I tell you this tale I call The Dancer from Stamboul. will you join me, Dr. Sabian, here in my cabin B...
1: 13? From cabin B-13, CDS has brought you another strange and sinister tale of mystery and murder, written by the world-famous best-selling author John Dixon Carr and directed by John Deep. Arnold Moss is featured as Dr. Fabian, and in tonight's drama, Cliff Carpenter appeared as Ned Whiteford, Janice Gilbert played Ileana, and Peter Capel appeared as Count Corey. The music for Cabin B-13 is especially composed and conducted by Alfredo Antonini. Join us again next week, same time, same station, for Dr. Fabian's tale, The Dancer from Stamboul. Just for fun, make a New Year's resolution to keep on listening to CBS on Sunday nights next year. Otherwise, you'll miss all the fun Jack Benny brings for next Sunday, January 2nd. Marks the day Jack moves here to CBS with all his crew. Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, all the rest. From next Sunday on, the Jack Benny Show will come to you exclusively over the CBS stations. The time, 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time.
0: That's our thriller for this week. There's more from Cabin B-13, Relic Radio thrillers, and all of the other podcasts at relicradio.com. We've got a shoutcast stream up and running there as well with even more old-time radio, lots to listen to there. All made possible by your support. If you'd like to help out, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Your support makes all of this possible. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me this week. I'll be back next Friday with The Chase on another episode of Relic Radio Thrillers.